should write a book, Fry. People need to know about the can eat more. I'm getting this book on UFOs. Did you know they're real? But there's a huge comic conspiracy to cover it up. Oh, that's just a paranoid fantasy. Be a book. She can pick me up, flip through my pages, make sure nobody drew wieners in me. Hello and welcome to the Not Your Grandmother's Book Club podcast, where we read them so you don't have to, because we misunderstood what main character energy meant. My name is Kevin, and I'm joined as always by my co-host Benedict and Asparagus. Benedict! Not even I make your pee that. smell weird? So every now like... and then, I like to throw you off. Because normally I do something like, it's a little joke I come up with. Sometimes I just like to call you a vegetable. <laughs> sure, yeah. You know, that's fine. I do. I have been known to make people's pee smell weird. So. <laughs> I don't want to know how you accomplish that. Me neither. Benedict! <laughs> you just dug yourself a hole you can't get out of. Yep. Benedict! Uh, what is your? Uh, I actually forgot to write one of these. Favorite way of serving asparagus: grilled with some lemon. Thanks for asking. Ah, grilled with some. You know, I'm actually not a huge fan of asparagus. No, I don't like it either. (laughs) It it really is because of the pea thing. No, it's just give me a green bean any day. Like anything I can do with an asparagus, I can do better with a green. You know, you're right because like asparagus, I feel like 90% of the time it's about that crunch, that little bit of crunch that you get out of it, and you can get that from other vegetables a lot easier. Um, and also like. It's just it's it's kind of annoying to cook. It just doesn't it doesn't go very well. I'm not not a huge fan. Not a huge fan of asparagus. That's but fair. if I had to make asparagus, mm-hmm. uh, I do like it uh, steamed and just uh, serve it with some mayo to dip it in. That's uh, that's where I am with okay. that. It's nice. Like nice. Uh, like very, you do with artichokes. Very nineties. Well, I am a nineties child, Benedict. Yeah, grew up no, in a household. That's very pre. That's very pre. Like understanding that roast vegetables are delicious. <laughs> <laughs> like, what I did you do to this virus? Well, we steamed it. We didn't know what else to do with it. I have not liked mayonnaise for most of my life until recently. I've started uh, putting it on sandwiches mayonnaise. again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, it, it, a couple of things like uh, asparagus and artichokes. I will do the. I'll do the mayonnaise. I'll okay. do it because it's All just right. like it's one of those things from childhood that I think just stuck with me, and I did sort sort of enjoy a little bit. Mm-hmm. But anyways, Benedict, uh, you yep. probably know what it is that we do here on this program. Uh, some other folks, they might not. Folks who don't enjoy the uh, wild world of asparagus. Them, I would say, this is the show where we go deep, 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 deep to plumb the depths of right-wing thought by reviewing a chapter from work of conservative nonfiction. And in between, taking another look at the right, doing their best to make America hate again. Start us off, Benedict. Do you have a hot take for us this week? Yeah, I and it's quite an earnest one actually. Really, uh, you well, earnest? Not, not yeah, I know. Uh, no, Benedict. I know it's they're both they're, they're both British names. No, um, no, do, I, no. If you know anything about Ernest, you know he is a bumbling fool from the United States uh, who, know, who goes to jail. That's the only yeah, earnest movie sure. I can think of. No, the importance of being earnest is a very famous British play by yeah, Oscar I, Wilde. I'm aware. Well, Irish play by Oscar Wilde. <laughs> He's famously an Irish author that the Brits just stole. And we're like, yeah, he's ours. Let's and have Stephen Fry And famously was murdered by the British for being gay. Was he? 
I don't know if he was. He well, went to jail. He died because he was gay, and it was the British's fault because you were. It was the world's fault because nobody accepted it back then. Yeah, but he happened to live on the British rule. Yeah. Yes. Okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, I didn't know that. I know we we did that to a lot of Irish people. To be fair. <laughs> um, yeah. Sorry, my ah, Mr. Kitty is in the room. This yeah, is a great sorry. way to do our episode. We should just point out at the beginning, right, that um, this whole episode uh, is being recorded ahead of time because you are going on vacay <laughs> yeah. once again. I am, uh, yeah. And, uh, of course, so uh, we – this is like, th- what, four days after we – three days after we recorded the last episode? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Which explains why it's not a normal episode, why it's slightly different today, but also why neither of us are as prepared as we should no, be. No, so, sorry, my earnest thing is that going to the cinema brings me great joy. And I know, like, this is like a post-pandemic observation. I used to look, like, I lived through the MoviePass scam era where I just went to the cinema, like, pretty much every day a week. Do you remember? Did you have MoviePass? I I remember when you had MoviePass. Yeah. And you were stoked and trying to make them go bankrupt. Basically, I think, yeah. (laughs) But I think that was... I think you are responsible for all of their trouble. I think that was what everybody who, like, got MoviePass did. They were like, there is no way this is lasting a year. I am going to every movie I can. (laughs) I Yeah, so I paid up front for the year. It was, like, $100. And, like, I think I went to, like, three movies a week for, like, four months. (laughs) I remember that period. it was great. I love that. <laughs> um, anyway, no, post-pandemic just brings me great joy sitting in theater with uh, cinema, sorry. Uh, no, theater. You're in the United yeah, States now. That's Get true, it right. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, sitting in the movie room. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Someday they're going to turn. You know, like, okay, there's been two uh, courses for different things. Like airplanes have mm-hmm. gone from being, you know, like the 1970s luxury of mm-hmm. people sitting in, in these huge seats and being served steak and all that. And they've now turned into tuna cans that they shove you into and mm-hmm. uh, fly you across the country in. Um, whereas movie theaters have gone from being like a row of benches that everyone crowds into. And now I have not been to a movie theater in like four years that has not been the electric seats that lie down. And that yeah, you can, uh, I think that's a very that's a very Midwestern and, thing. Eh. Uh, the, the the New York City cinemas are still there are still some old school New York City cinemas. Um, to be fair, like my local one, they literally serve you food and have like artisanal cocktails. But um, you live in Brooklyn, you asshole. Yeah, no, I know that's true. They, yeah, they have they they match cocktail specials for the movies. It's great. Um, anyway, the, yeah. Anyway, it brings me great joy. I've been to like three movies in the past month. It's great. It's it's a it's a good time. Everyone should go to the movies more, uh, especially now that part of the union fight is about streaming. Stream less, especially like movies. Go see movies in the cinema. That's my hot take. Sure, awesome. it's kind of a. I, it, it was meandering. I'll give you that. Uh, uh, <laughs> Mainly because I kept interrupting. It, it went from me like movies to support your <laughs> local union shop, which fair enough. <laughs> you that's, that's how most of my radicalization has been like oh the people that make the things i love are getting screwed over fuck we should do something about that that's basically my my leftist journey uh summed up in me like movies <laughs> anyway what's your take uh, can you take me on a similar journey, Kevin? Uh, I don't think I can take you on that sort of journey this week. I, I don't think there's uh, any way for me to do that. Uh, my hot take is merely that we need to bring back the era of trading card games. 
Uh, I ran across. I don't even know how I like, found like, them. Like, hold on, like Pokemon exactly. or like Top Trumps? Okay, no, okay. Pokemon. I I literally found some old Pokemon cards the other okay. day, uh, and that's what brought this to my mind. And I just remembered the joy. There's so much joy in opening up those packs of the booster cards. packs. Yeah. yeah, yeah, where you get one rare card and it's a Charizard, and you're like, oh fuck, I've been yeah. hoping for this. You didn't yeah, know dude. what was going to be in there, yeah, and half the, the time you were like, oh fuck, this is all garbage. This is nothing good. Oh, but like then- another fucking ditto no ditto was good another fucking diglet i don't want diglet get out of here i have 50 diglets i don't need any more it's not even holographic fuck it and and look people are gonna say kevin there's magic the gathering and kevin there's this and there's that i don't mean that i mean we need the era where there was a new trading card game every other month where you had like Pokemon and you had Yu-Gi-Oh, and I think at some point um, Digimon tried to Digimon. Do a card I was game. into no, I was into Digimon. It was good. Yeah, like there were all these card games. We don't have that anymore, and I get it. Magic: The Gathering has basically swamped everything. Like it's just eaten up all the card games. Mm-hmm. I know there's still some Pokemon out there, and I see the stuff, but like I liked when there was new ones all the time. Yeah, I agree, but at the same time, I played a Yu-Gi-Oh! Game Boy game instead of actually having the po- like the I, game. Look, I, I know the game the you're talking cards, about. We yeah. played the same game, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure we played the same game. I love that game. It was There's great. Actually, actually, right now, in my Steam in uh, a library, I have a Yu-Gi-Oh! game, a Yu-Gi-Oh! card game um, in Steam, which is uh, uh, where I, my computer games are, uh, nice. and, which I do play from time to time because I do enjoy it. Um, Magic the Gathering, the only ceiling to me is like, I feel like, and I know this is not like a real ceiling, but I feel like if I was to try to get into it, everyone talks about all these complex strategies and stuff that people do with like Mm -hmm. building their decks and all that. And I just don't think I would have the bandwidth to try and put all that in. Thanks, Alexa, for, for interrupting the show to tell me the weather. Uh, (laughs) but I I don't think I'd have the bandwidth. There's also, and I think this is an underrated part of it for me there's like and i understand like having like community stuff like magic the gathering community and not Mm -hmm. disrespecting that in any way but there's like there's something to it being like truly mass market Mm -hmm. like pokemon was for like a hot minute and like like, everybody you knew had something like Mm -hmm. doesn't matter who they were like if you didn't have pokemon cards you weren't shit right (laughs) so like that was it. but like the, just just in terms of like the trading ability like the more people you have to mm-hmm. trade with the more fun it yep. is like there's yep. there's some like mass market appeal to bring that them back well, bring us more games bring us a new super anime hit with all the games included with all the cards included that's what we want people sure. make it happen anyways on to housekeeping this week remember to rate and review us on the iTunes follow us on the social medias at NYGBC pod on Twitter and at NYGBC Ben uh, updates just like I said we're recording this ahead of time. Um, so, you know, if, if, if we're, if something major happens between now and the release of the episode that we aren't talking about, uh, it's because we're, we're not up to date on what's happening and Benedict's in a foreign land somewhere having Man. fun, uh, and ignoring all of this. Uh, but, uh, new, new additions to the spooky world, new world order, blah. This week we have two Benedict who are inducted. Uh, that mm-hmm. would be, of course, Kat Rokitansky, who agrees with my theory on uh, what's going on in the Steven Seagal book, which is was why the inductee, inductee, inductation? What's the word I'm looking Induction. for? Induction. Induction. <laughs> My Indoctrination. I should also mention another thing. 
which is that right now, uh, as we record on the 28th of June, uh, is two days away from the CLE deadline uh, for me as a lawyer, which is the continuing legal education. And as you would expect, uh, over the entire last year that I had to get the 15 hours I'm required to get done, I did none of it. So I am trying to, uh, the last day has just been me watching CLE videos, trying to get all the hours I'm required to do. So my brain's not exactly in the game today. I apologize for this episode. But Cat Rockatansky, you're now part of our... New World Spooky World Order. And of course, we have another inductee, which is Becky Scott Fairley. You're, of course, always part of our... New World Spooky World Order. Thank you, oh, so very much. And of course, if you would like to join the Spooky World New World Order, bleh, you can tweet or post about the show on social media, recommend it to others, send me a screenshot or tag us in it, leave us a five-star review wherever you can, and drop me a screenshot to let me know, make a donation to a worthwhile charity, become a patron, or just get my attention with something good. And all that out of the way, Benedict, why don't we get into what we have for today, which is, I'll say, a, a pseudo Prager roulette? It's not quite a Prager roulette, it's just sort of like, there's some Prager in there. But when there's only two videos, it's hard to have a roulette wheel with only two options, if you know what I mean. <laughs> you don't want a Russian roulette wheel with only, yeah, with only yeah. two options. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. And so, these, these are both bullets. <laughs> absolutely. So one of these two things is on here because it was announced, uh, was it earlier today or yesterday? I don't remember. I think it was earlier this week. I don't even think it was yesterday. I thought it was yesterday. I Maybe it was. Maybe Anyways, time is just a fucking... Time is a flat circle, exactly. Uh, Jesse Waters was announced as the the new host of the former Tucker Carlson slot at Fox. The eight PM slot. Yeah. Um, so we talked about this off air. I and I think we agree. I don't think he has the juice. No, it's the weirdest choice to me. It yeah. makes zero sense. I I don't think here. So I told you I would. I would it's, say look, what my it's thoughts. it's like it, it's like to me. It's like they looked at Tucker Carlson and were like, "What worked here?" And they were like, "Must be the whininess." <laughs> and that's that. That's what they're trying. They've, that's the lightning in a bottle that they've tried to replicate. Look, has to be a white man. No other yeah. option. That's the yeah. only. That's the only option, really. We know that. Uh, yeah. Who else do they have? They can't fill that bench. They don't have a deep bench at Fox. They really don't. Uh, they've lost. Wow, I've just realized, like, the only person they have left from, like, the original primetime lineup of uh, the the mid-2000s is Sean Hannity. And I don't even know where he is these days. I don't know who gives a fuck about Sean Hannity. He's never the one you see anybody posting clips of. He's never the one you hear people talking about what he said last night. Though, I, I don't even know. I don't even know who they—they they don't have anybody else that stands out to me. They got rid of Dan Bongino. Um, I can't think of anybody else, so maybe it was just a matter of— Oh, fuck, this is who we're stuck with. This is who we have. But I will say my thoughts about why he, he can't possibly, from Fox News' perspective, uh, live up to what Tuck, Tucker Carlson did for the network. And it's that Tucker knows how to be a propagandist. Tucker is mm-hmm. a propagandist. He knew how to take anything one of his guests said and turn it towards whatever heinous bullshit Tucker wanted to talk about which is to, you know, turn it into a thing about trans people or being evil or yep. how racism is really against white people. He had the talking points down, and he had, at the very least, a talent for turning everything into right-wing, evil, white supremacist propaganda. Jesse, or Jesse Waters' only thing is saying the first thing that pops into his head. That seems to be the only talent the man has, is just... He thinks a thing and he says it. 
That's why he keeps getting himself on tr- in trouble, because he says stupid shit all the time, right? Uh, and, and also, he has a history of doing shit like he stalked a reporter who wrote a bad article about Bill O'Reilly. Uh, back in the day when he was a producer on O'Reilly's show, he, like, drove for, like, two hours following this reporter and ambushed her. And it was just the fucking crazy... And then there's that racist-ass Chinatown piece he did that I think we played a piece of. Yeah, we did, yeah. But, like, then there's other things, like, uh, uh, just shit he says on The Five. You always see the clips on Twitter and wherever, where it's just like, does this man think? Does he think before he speaks? And I don't think so. I really don't think he does. So... We're starting off today with a clip from Jesse Waters. Uh, This is from about four weeks ago. It is uh, from Fox News on their YouTube. uh, And it is titled, Jesse Waters, Our Society Doesn't Have Standards Anymore. And I could not agree enough, given the decision that Fox has just made. I, uh, so I, I forget where I heard it, but it was, it was, uh, uh, and I think it just perfectly describes both what I was trying to describe with Tucker and Jesse. I was trying to find it while you were talking, but someone described that style of thing. I think it was in a debate I was listening to. I can't remember who said it, but someone called it white wine, which is just like, (laughs) that is, it's the 8 PM time for white wine time slot. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. That's good. Things used to be hard in America. To be the best, you had Is to work hard. Is he talking about his dick? And only- <laughs> you are not problems. the person who would usually do a joke like that. I know. That's what makes it funny to me. <laughs> That's what makes that's a lame joke. What makes it funny is it coming out of your mouth. It sucks as a joke. <laughs> that's fine. I, I yeah, you gotta only- look. Sometimes we have to descend from the intellectual yeah. mountain and meet the people where they are. <laughs> the best achieved greatness you wanted to be great because greatness won wars the men who sprinted into gunfire on the beaches of normandy were great by the way if you take a shot every time he says great you will die i'm already drunk yeah yeah so were the ones who planted our flag on iwo jima choked out communism in korea crawled through the jungles in vietnam and battled in the hot sands of the middle east okay so i hate to be the guy who has to say it but we lost in Vietnam. We lost. Um, we yeah. lost. We lost a couple of those you just mentioned yeah. there, buddy. We Doesn't lost people, a couple of well, those. Yeah, I mean, look, I have complicated feelings about military <laughs> service, as you know. <laughs> greatness was everywhere in America because greatness was rewarded. If you wanted to With go to what? Harvard or Yale, in the head? you had to be. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You just interrupted one of my favorite parts of this. I'm sorry. Like, but what was greatness rewarded by if you're a fucking soldier? Oh, I think uh, uh, dying in the mud in Vietnam. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's exactly what it is. Literally but, being eat, your corpse being eaten alive. Well, not alive. Eaten dead by mosquitoes. Yeah. I got to go back a few seconds sorry, because you ahead. talked over one of my favorite parts of this. So let me just scroll back here and we'll hear. There we go. Greatness was rewarded. If you wanted to go to Harvard or Yale, you had to be at the top of your class. Or Benedict, or was there another way to get into Harvard or Yale? Yeah, if your dad went. <laughs> yeah, I think that might be another way. I think That's it very the... much might be. Or maybe your dad is a governor of a state. Maybe sure. George W. How'd yep. you get into Yale, buddy? Yep. Oh, that is the most ridiculous thing I have ever heard in my life. Imagine, imagine someone actually believing that the only way to get into these elite universities, oh, you had to be the best. You had to be the top of your class. It's way harder now. 
like oh yeah the amount of people that are applying it is way harder to get into absolutely so shut the fuck up <laughs> they demanded greatness from their students if you wanted to walk the runway at fashion shows and have your face plastered on magazines and billboards you had to be in tip-top shape stunning enough to make somebody just stop in their tracks if you wanted to run nasa or ibm or exxon you had to be the best in the business really did you which is why he's been swassing away offers from all of those companies H- has to Jesse run NASA. ever heard of some of the people who were in charge of nasa or ibm or well Exxon? look if you wanted to run enron you really had to <laughs> you know know what you were I, doing i love uh, the idea of an alternate history where the enron scandal was never discovered and people like jesse waters are sitting here going if you wanted to be in charge of exxon or enron you would have had to know all the look only the best people, the best people. I guarantee you, uh, all the hey, think about IBM. Jesus, they've had so many massive failures in their history that are well known for yep. products that just completely fucking flopped. Like that's the history of these. Exxon, Exxon, Exxon. What, Jesse? Exxon Valdez? Maybe mm-hmm. that's what we're going to talk about. Jesus Christ. They demanded greatness from their employees. And that demand formed generations of excellence. The weak were weeded out. The strong were rewarded with money and status and a sense of fulfillment. That, that, that is, boy. It's just lazy. It, like, you know, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, uh, going back to the difference between Tucker and Jesse, right? I think Tucker knows that a lot of the stuff he says are bullshit. And I think this goes back to a point I've made a lot where I argue that the, you know, the inmates have taken over the asylum, that thing that I, I say a lot, which I know mm-hmm. is a bad analogy. But um, where the people who were raised on these talking points are now the ones who are in the positions of power, and they are saying them completely unironically and without awareness and without thinking. They are simply talking points. He's just doing here... Um, I You always bring up the, the comic, right? Or whatever it was, the satire piece uh, about... Uh, um, you know what I'm talking about, right? No. Uh, uh, blah, 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 where you deserve it, whatever. Come on. You know what I I'm talking no about. I have no idea what you're talking about. Why am I blanking on the idea of this concept? The concept of you uh, get what you deserve because you earned it. I've, that's not, I'm not sure I've ever referenced that comic. Yes, you have. And there's a word for my My brain thesaurus is broken today. Okay. By 10 hours of bullshit CLEs I didn't care about. That's what's going on right now. Yeah. Uh, something-ism, right? So one of our listeners is going to remember and is going to... Oh, meritocracy. Meritocracy. Sure. Merit- right, that's what I'm talking about. Meritocracy. This is just a mindless goon mumbling out meritocracy talking points. Yeah, I also... like. I think Tucker's rhetorical style is more effective. I think he... By this point, he would be going, you think that's fair? That that's the way it is now? That right I, now, you, like, he'd have got to the point already. Yeah, I think Tucker would have already gotten to whatever example he wanted to bring he'd up. He'd be pulling that face, you know yeah, the face? About how white people are being oppressed. Well, right? just like, it used to be that you have to do this to be successful in America. But now, <laughs> all you have to do is be black. <laughs> nailed it. That's nailed exactly. the Tucker impression. <laughs> Hashtag nailed it. <laughs> Our society doesn't have standards anymore. Everybody gets a trophy. You're not allowed to judge anybody. Nothing's taboo. 
I, I hear the attempt to imitate Tucker there. It, yeah, a little bit. Less than like Benny Johnson does. But also mm-hmm. like, again, and this annoys me every time. We didn't give ourselves the participation trophies. Yeah. Our parents did that. That's our not our fault. Our fucking parents. Yeah. <laughs> also, uh, like the whole participation. Imagine being a person who actually believes that participation trophies are a problem. Imagine yeah. being that person. Who thinks that a six-year-old getting a little a little plastic statue because they were on a baseball team is a problem? I I can't fathom it. I really yeah, can't. It's, it's so dumb. dumb. It's extreme. The people we revered yesterday are despised today. Weakness is rewarded and strength is punished. Sorry, what weakness we- is rewarded? Show me. Uh, I don't know if you Show know me. this, Benedict, but we actually live in the universe of Harrison Bergeron, unironically, mm. uh, and and of course we all know that that story. Uh, is uh, completely without any depth or innuendo or anything below the surface. Uh, forget the fact that he gets shot in the face at the end. Forget that part. Uh, has nothing. It's it's all just what is immediately on the face of the story. That's what that's what Harrison Bergeron is about. Um, did you know that? Did you know that's the world we live in, where the, no, the powerful are, are? Yeah, that's that's what we do. We traded excellence and achievement for diversity and inclusion. It's happening all across the country. In New York, the NYPD is neutering the physical fitness test. They're taking away the timed run so it's easier for women to join the force. Or uh, fat men, uh, which is yeah, what I've a seen lot of NYPD cops. already is. Yeah. <laughs> like, also, I, 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 it's just, it's not, I don't think it's a particularly strenuous running test. I wouldn't imagine that it is. I really wouldn't imagine that it is. Or also like they definitely don't make matters. you, they definitely don't make you retake it once you've been in the force for five years. Because I've seen some of these motherfuckers. Yeah. Also, who the fuck cares? Who the fuck yeah. cares is the final point on that. I I really fucking don't. Oh, does Jesse hate cops now? Apparently, that... criminals are they slow down. What's that? I said, did Jesse? Does Jesse hate cops now? Is that is that what's up? I guess he does. I guess he does. Down if a female cop's chasing him. And in Connecticut, they're axing fitness requirements for female firefighters. They don't have to carry the same weight as men. In Delaware, they're making it easier to become a lawyer, lowering the passing score on the bar exam. They... Okay. As someone who was in the top percentile on the bar exam, um, the bar exam's bullshit. The bar exam is not a test of whether you can be a fucking lawyer. It's a gatekeeping mechanism. That's what the fucking bar exam is. I, I, I lost a friend because after I took the bar exam, I went to our uh, Facebook group chat of a bunch of law, law school friends. And I said, okay, it's not just me. That was way easier than I thought it would be, right? I legitimately thought that everyone was going to feel like I did. And mm-hmm. I had a friend who got so mad at me, he doesn't talk to me anymore. Well, to be fair, you took the, what, Missouri bar, so... I, well, it's the, it's the UBE. It's the, it's oh, the, okay. the same bar exam for most states. So I took the same mm-hmm. as everyone who took it in New York or who took it in, you know, all the states except for, like, California and Florida, basically. There's a few others, but basically we all took the same bar exam. I do think uh, it is bullshit that you have to, like, be qualified in all law to be able to do law. I think you should be able to do, like, a bit of law and just be qualified Isn't it different in, in the UK where, like... The, oh, you have, have to study for, like, levels. a year. 
Yeah. Yeah. You have, you have like, like barristers, and then there's like another thing. There's another thing that people do. Solicitors. There, that's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. I only know that because. So, uh, so solicitors never go to court. They just do all like the legal documentation. Yeah, 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 basically. yeah. So I, yeah, that uh, that does seem like it would make a bit more. I don't know. I actually don't think it's that big of a difference between litigation and other because when you're you're doing no, other legal but work, like you're for example, I don't think you should have to know murder law to do tax law. Okay. For example. <laughs> Maybe you're correct. I would argue that legal principles are interlinked. Sure, uh, but like you so, could do a basis in like legal principles, legal l- law 101 and sure, then specialize. Sure. Uh, e- either way, the bar exam is bullshit. It's a gatekeeping mechanism and it's completely unnecessary. Uh, we should have definitely uh, uh, lowered the... Uh, the uh, Because here's the thing. A lot of people who get very high bar exam scores are complete fucking morons. There was, uh, that made the rounds on legal Twitter and all the legal circles I'm in, all my chat groups and stuff, uh, like a week or two ago, a guy who filed the most ridiculous fucking lawsuit we have ever seen in Texas. Was it Donald Trump's lawyer? No, it was this guy, you probably saw it somewhere, who put his LSAT score on his pleading. He opened it with like, I, James, blah, 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 blibbity blue, three names, the fourth who got a blank on the LSAT and passed the bar exam in this percentile and am therefore one of the most intelligent lawyers in Texas. Love that. It was fucking ridiculous. And this lawsuit was utter garbage. Just total bullshit. You can get very good grades and still be a complete fucking dipshit. See... Every lawyer who has ever probably represented Donald Trump, uh, I can't. They've all passed the bar, and somehow they still do the stupid bullshit for him. They say it'll make the courtroom more diverse. Well, if you hate lawyers now, wait until they get dumber. I believe. Boy, boy, they're already pretty dumb, buddy. Let if me you tell hate you, Fox News hosts, if you hate the 8 p.m. Fox News host <laughs> now. Schools are lowering their standards too. Columbia University is dropping the requirement to take the SAT or the ACT. Standardized. Yeah, that's not lowering standards. That's changing standards. Yeah, it's also like all these people are getting sixteen hundred on these. Like yeah. everyone that is getting into Columbia oh, is yeah. getting the top score. Exactly. Pretty much. Yeah. Like yeah. it's because it, the reason they drop it is because it doesn't. Public schools across. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Also, I would say, again, ACT, SAT, those are not measures of your intelligence. They simply no. are not. Getting the highest score does not mean you're the smartest boy. It just no. means you got the highest score. Yeah, and it's like a very specific type of, like, how does your brain work in this way. Right. Right. Like there are people that... who are incredibly intelligent but can't do good on, like, the SAT. There yeah. are also, there's a long history of issues of racism within the SAT, right? One of the famous examples is there used to be a question on the SAT that had to do with uh, uh, naming or knowing. You had to know to be able to answer the question what a coxswain was. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I know what I'm that sure. Is. Obviously, I know that one. I, I, obviously, <laughs> I know what that is. If Benedict knows the answer, the question is racially biased. <laughs> <laughs> if it's, yeah, that's fair. Across that's the country, fair. you're failing their students. The lockdowns put kids way behind on math and reading, especially black and Hispanic kids. They got hit the hardest. And instead of enriching the curriculum that snapped back, they made school easier. They what? say math is racist and start teaching about feelings instead of numbers. So this is just 
that's just right wing one right wing talking points right yeah, yeah it's just regurgitating math is racist goes we've talked about that story at the, and i think the the thing i'm i'm disappointed is i remember the episode where we talked about that is one we had some serious audio issues on yeah. um, because i was still using my old laptop to record and it was basically dying at the time um but we talked about how that story basically comes from uh, basically a propaganda push where a writer took like a tweet from a woman who had like, you know, a hundred followers on Twitter and is like, look, she said something to the effect of, uh, uh, you know, math. It, it, basically her point was like, there's racial bias within math teaching. Um, and she made a point in a way that I don't think was artful and I think was probably a bit clunky and they just, that's always where like, these things come from. Someone exp- expressed their opinion poorly and yeah. then everyone is like, this is fact. And then, yeah. yeah. Same thing with like the cry closet. You remember that? The cry closet was an art installation at a college that all the right wing media outlets took seriously to the point like when like the Daily Beast contacted the student artist who made it. He like was laughing on the phone and being like, I'm so glad that they all did stories about it. Yeah. Fantastic. That's pretty funny. So I think that's enough of a taste of Jesse Waters for now. Uh, I think we get the point. Um, I don't think he's going to live up to what they expect him to do. I think they got some real troubles there. If they're really trying to get through it. So that brings us to our second video for today. Uh, And that will be, and I'm sure many people are excited for this. And I I think we've done one or two of these for the regular show, but I think most of them we've done on the Patreon. We are going back to TBH history. TBH Uh, history. Our boys over at PragerU and my boy Lem. We got to have Lem. Lem's in the mix. Um, We've done several of these so far. I think the only ones that are left for us are the Industrial Revolution Part 1 and 2. The Scientific Revolution, and I think the French Revolution Part 2. There might be one or two more that we haven't done, uh, but I think today we decided we're going to be doing the French Revolution Part 2. Uh, appropriate use of language there. So, Very good. why don't we jump right in? And I know I don't think we finished Part 1. For it's the- 1789. Oh, Jesus oh, Christ, Lem, why are you yelling in my ear? That, was that loud for you? Because that was very it was, loud. It was quite loud, yes. I'm going to turn down the volume a little bit, and I will boost it in post if I have to. I do not need Lem breaking my eardrums. So, why don't we jump right in, TBH History, French Revolution Part 2, and see what we get this time. It's 1789 in Paris, and the French Revolution is getting... Uh, hairy. Do you remember your situation in the last episode? Oh, Imagine thinking guillotining kings is a bad thing. <laughs> wow. Okay. I bet you thought you died, but you didn't. Wait, look over there. Good job. Turns out you escaped and ran into the forest. You thought no one would find you until they found you. Hey. Oh, hey. Nice hat. So this is uh, this is the the flight to Varennes that they're going over, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I just have the, to point the out the king escaped. I, I don't think Lem was accepted at Second City. I uh, <laughs> I don't think that happened. So, you want to join my army? Hmm? hmm. Turns out this little man goes by the name Napoleon Napoleon Bonaparte. But wow, you can't even do the fucking basic ass pronunciation. That fucking Americans do. Bonaparte. Bonaparte. Get just okay. like, I understand. It's not even the correct French pronunciation. Yeah. Also, he was Italian. So. I don't give a shit. 
I don't give a shit. His his name was Buonaparte, which is. <laughs> but what the heck is he doing in this story? We'll find out. In the last episode of the French Revolution, we left off with chaos in the streets, an emerging civil war of ideas, and King Louis the Sixteenth losing more Sorry, and more power that. to the people. Civil war of ideas? Is that what he says? <laughs> that is what he said. Okay, all right. That's what checking. does that mean? I don't know. What An argument, I, I, I think. I, sure, sure. I, that's, well, these people, these people. In this chaos, we saw the birth of the political right and left and their battle for supremacy. But that's who true. would win? What would happen to... Okay, okay. So, I understand that they probably, in the portion we didn't see, gave a basic explanation of how left and right comes from the sides that they would stand on, on the, what was it, a tennis court? Is that where it yeah, was? Yeah, basically, like, which side of the king they would stand on. The reactionaries would all stand on the right, and yeah. the, uh, the revolutionaries would all stand on the left, largely. I wonder if they think that those political labels apply to today. I, I wonder if they think that they would be standing on the right with kings. Probably. They, you know, you pro- they probably would. Yeah. If, if they were didn't. looking at that, they'd be like, no, we can't get rid of the king. Look, we heard Ben Shapiro say we have to conserve stuff and we need to conserve our kings. Yep, that's right. And the King Louis. And would France get the utopia it was trying to achieve? And what the heck does the little guy with the hat have to do with any of this? Today, we find out. Hey, I'm Daniel Myers. And I'm Lim. And this is... That, okay. I'm Lim. That that was an even more ridiculous, and I'm Lem than he normally. I love does. that Lem never gives his last name. I don't think he ever does. Danny gives his last name. Lem doesn't. Like Lem is hiding from something. Lem is on the run. The U.S. The marshals are looking for him. That's why he was like, "I'm gonna call myself Lamb because I'm on the lamb." No, that's too <laughs> obvious. I'll call myself Lem. Is TBH history? It's 1789, and France is in the full heat of revolution with hunger and violence and fire and screaming and heads on pikes in Paris. You know, the usual stuff. In the midst of the chaos, the National Assembly, representing the people of France, is meeting to try to fix, like, all the things and try to path forward. The National Assembly was split down the middle between the political right and left, and they squabbled quite a lot. However, in August of 1789, the Assembly issued a document called the Declaration of the Rights of Man and the Citizen. And some... Are they sure. going to say that that's a bad thing? Are probably they because argue that the Declaration is a bad thing. They're probably going to say it wasn't fixed like the American Constitution was. Okay. Because remember when Ben Shapiro did that? He was like, "Well, you can just change it whenever you want." <laughs> like, yeah, that's the point. Yeah, that's why we're not able to change ours, which has yeah. been a problem, Ben. Well, also, some... it's why it has twenty something amendments. Yeah. <laughs> In some ways, it resembled America's Declaration of Independence, and they even got the help of Thomas Jefferson to write it. This new we didn't declaration get the help a... of Thomas Jefferson. He wrote most of it. <laughs> Big win for the people. But there were still many questions to answer. The National Assembly continued debating the future of France while King Louis XVI remained in Paris and told the National Assembly that he would support all their decisions. And you get a support. And you get a support. You all get support. All right. Um, there have been some good versions of the Oprah meme. That's not And one. then there's this. And then there's, oh, guys, uh, you know what kids like? They like memes. Pull one out of a hat. Let's put yeah. it in a sketch. The, pull one out of the hat from 10 years ago. <laughs> Let's see. He was acting cool. Nothing at all wrong in the world. Mm, no. In reality, he was actually freaking out. At this point, he knew he had lost control. So, you know, he might as well act supportive. So he doesn't 
Uh, you know, get the axe and kill and all that, you know? <laughs> the people of France were ready to move on from having a king rule over them, and Louis XVI knew it. So King Louis implemented a brilliant strategy. A strategy of get the heck out of there. On June 21st... Okay. Oh, this so, is the flight to Varenne. This is. Uh, I think, okay, I, I think... So, you know, they had, like, the intro music, right? Yeah, yeah. We got the first thing with the forest. That was before the intro music. I think that was, like, you know, ah, here's that was a, a little recap, preview. Yeah. Oh, it's a And preview. now we're, like, going through the timeline. Gotcha. Okay, yeah, okay, okay. yeah. That's that my sense. guess. They are very bad at this. Yeah, they are. 1791, he hid his family in a carriage and tried to escape the country. And it worked. Uh, except for when it didn't. He was yeah. recognized in the town of Varenne on his way out and sent back to Paris with his tail between his legs. Hey, aren't you uh, King Louis? Yes. To make matters worse. Okay, cool, awesome. Thank what? you. What? What? I like. Okay, here's the thing. Like, I understand we are watching a program for children. I understand children do typically not have, you know, a developed sense of humor no. to the extent that many of us do. But here's my other problem: they're not even fucking trying. No. It was just. Are you King Louis? And he stands there and sips out of a mug. That's humor. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> Jesus. Mistaken identity. Hilarious. Louis XVI's escape attempt dealt the right side of the political aisle a tough blow. For two years, they had been arguing for a partnership with Louis XVI, but now he was caught trying to bail on them. And just like that, he ticked off his greatest ally. All in a day's work. But Louis XVI did have a backup plan to regain power. Not long after holding back punishment on his rebellious subjects, Louis had the Baron de Breteuil send out messages to his royal neighbors, including the monarchs of Spain, Austria, and Prussia, to come help him from his revolutionary mad. Mm, one on that list he didn't send a request to. Mm. <laughs> Who was that? Cross the channel, buddy. Yeah, no, we didn't care. <laughs> we were, we were hoping it would go wrong. <laughs> that again he tried to convince other countries outside of france to help him by saying similar uprisings would soon be coming their way and just he wasn't wrong yep that's correct <laughs> I mean, let's be fair he wasn't wrong how exactly did he want them to help by declaring war in his own country the king hoped a war would cause the people of france to turn back to his leadership as crazy as it was step one of his plan actually worked there imagine, imagine reading this script, telling this part of the story, and then saying that the revolution was bad. Imagine that. I can imagine it. <laughs> there was a war, and there's a good chance his efforts helped start it. Oh, look, a war. How terrible. But step two of his plan, not so good. Sure is nice to have a king in times like these, am I right? Well, <laughs> The French military. Okay, you know, honestly, one of the things that has astonished me, and we are uh, four minutes into this, uh, what is it, 13 minute video, we haven't gotten one fake French accent yet. They haven't even tried to do it. That feels yeah, like I'm not the sure they can. One. It feels like it's not in their wheelhouse. Feels Maybe like they not. know. Imagine Lem trying to do the fake French accent. Uh, moi, je suis Lem. <laughs> no. Military fought like mad and resisted outside attacks without King Louis XVI's help. Jacques! Help! There it is. There it is. We got like one. Okay, that's from the Dreyfus affair, which happens like a hundred years later. So. Okay. Also, not appropriate to be referenced here. That was an affair involving anti-Semitism. Um, I'm pretty sure the children will not understand the context of that. 
Um, yeah, That's strange. Correct. Yeah. Strange. So it's, it's a weird one. Although, to be fair, it is a funny phrase that I do use on occasion Jacuz, completely out yeah. of context. It's just a fun word, right? Jacques. You gotta do it. Gotta love it. And the French also happen to have a little guy named General Napoleon who was fighting like mad too. Aha! Turns out France didn't really need their king after all. So Louis XVI's whole start a war and the people will want me back plan was more like a start a war and the people will still won't want me back, but I'll be responsible for a lot of needless death and suffering plan. Seems so, again, I'm still wondering how they're gonna say that uh, this whole revolution thing was bad. Used to be a recurring theme with this guy. It's for a good cause. It's like, okay, I, I'm not expecting them to take the median path, which is that, you know, the revolution, getting rid of the king, that's good. A lot of the stuff that happened afterwards was bad. Yeah, that's, that's not the Birkin that's the right, path. Yeah, that's generally not what I hear the right saying. I generally hear just overall opposition to the French Revolution because it was mainly by the left. Like, that's what I generally yeah. hear. It's proven, once again, that King Louis XVI will go to any length to improve his own image or maintain power, even if it means war for his own people. At this point, he was out of options, and the people were, like, madder than ever. Radical members of the left pounced, claiming Louis was an enemy of the revolution, and that appropriate violence towards him would be justified. Leading Jacobins, a radical group in the left, like lawyer Maximilien Robespierre, called for the king to be executed. And the people were like, yeah, go ahead and kill him. Slay queen and king. Slay queen and king. That's correct. Bop his head till he is dead. The fate of Louis XVI would be put to a vote. If the right wins, he lives. And if the left wins... By a that's vote of very three... simplistic, but that's fine. Whatever. Sure. I do also like the gratuitous, gratuitous use of the guillotine sound effect. I do enjoy that. Yeah. 61 to 360, Louis XVI was sentenced to death for the crime of conspiracy against public liberty. And on January 21st, 1793, at the age of 38, the King of France was publicly executed by his own people. Well, doesn't that sound less say unfair? <laughs> hey, it's Throw in French. It's, it's fair play. Fair Throw play to back. you. By the slimmest of margins, the civil war of ideas was over. Now that the king was dead, the right side of the assembly lost its leverage, and the left took control. For years, they had been telling the poor people of Paris that their enemy was not just the king, but also the conservatives on the right. The they weren't wrong. Yep. Industrial bourgeoisie and moderate nobles who promoted compromise and deal-making with the king. Jacobins hated compromise and had an all-or-nothing mindset. They had taken control of power and were now in position to demand everyone bow to their wishes. You know, I like to imagine that's where the magazine title comes from. It's not. It's actually, <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's from the Haitian Revolution, unfortunately, which is a much I'm even, aware. it's an even better revolution. I'm aware. <laughs> which is good when you're ordering donuts, but when you are trying to run a country, that's not, no good. You cannot have all the donuts. You can. Using various... Okay. But the rich can have all the donuts. Yeah, that's true, yeah. So so you're saying that the poor can't have all the donuts, but the rich, the rich can have all the donuts. That seems to be pretty consistently, you know what, that is a, a pretty good summation of right-wing thought. Of the rich can have yeah, all the donuts. That's, that's pretty much it. We did the it. The poor don't get to it. have all the donuts. Poor don't get to have really Various any levels of intimidation. The poor get to fight over one donut between them. <laughs> exactly. Conservative supporters of the revolution were quickly thrown out of the political scene, and no new conservatives emerged 
to fill the open space. And just like that, the left had completely beaten the right. They committed- God, imagine the paradise. Imagine- <laughs> Yeah, imagine, imagine if that was true. <laughs> The for public safety was created by the Jacobins to stop anyone they thought stood in the way of the revolution. Safety, bro. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now bro. that conservatives were out of the picture and the left had full control, you would think that they'd be celebrating and patting each other on the back. No, and, we famously you know, eat ourselves. It's like you've learned nothing. <laughs> from all that, like... We are I mean, not, on, we are not good. On the Russian revolution. You we know are not good at sharing power. <laughs> You guys have seen any tweets by anyone who belongs to a DSA organization? Yep. Come on, you know how this goes. Sorry, the DSA or the SDA or the DDSA <laughs> or the DSSA? Like, which one are we talking about? Or the, oh, fuck, if I remembered the line from the uh, Monty Python movie, yeah, that'd be yeah, funny yeah. to put it in. <laughs> Stuff. But instead, they created another new political divide for themselves. France's economic scene was still a mess, and leading Jacobins began making pleas for the government to control the economy by regulating prices of goods and wages for workers. Imagine thinking that's a bad thing. I really, I really can't. I have the Jacobins, named the Girondins, have been cool with getting rid of the king, but they didn't really like the idea of the economy being run by the government and all that kind of stuff. So no, Girondin objections not, upset okay. Jacobin. I hear you going, mm, come on, <laughs> Lem. <laughs> Shut the fuck really up, like Lem. A, should the government be run, should the economy be run by the government? That wasn't really the debate they were having. <laughs> yeah, I look, I love, what I love about these TBH history things that we Is done. they just try and shoehorn modern political debate yes. into like the great events of history. That really is what they're always trying to do. And they have no comprehension for the idea. And, and again, goes back to that thing of these are people who were raised on these talking points. Yeah. They can't imagine a world in which people weren't thinking along the same lines that they are now. Yeah. So they have to put everything into those contexts. That's why, well, you know, Glenn Beck is so successful. Because his main program is taking things that have no relation to these concepts he's talking about and putting them within the binary framework of left versus right or, you know, whatever it is in the, the moment he's talking about that the, the right has created. And that's, that's what a lot of these talking heads do. It's why mm -hmm. so many of them do it that way is because it, it's successful. It's easy. It's simplified. It's easy to get people to understand because all they have to think about are these simple concepts they've already been fed and apply them to all these events that they're they're trying to understand. It's yeah, just... life's simple when it's simple. Yes, it is. Jacobin leaders, and now all of a sudden, there was a new right developing in the left. The Girondins were like, What happened? I thought we were on the same team. Remember, Dude, the we the Girondins were not right wing <laughs> by any means. <laughs> And the Jacobins were like, Bro, you're either on the way or you're in the way. And if you're in the way, then we jump and we pounce, pounce, pounce. I came here to kick ass and chew bubble gum, and I'm all out of bubble gum. No, it is the Monty Python. Your mother is a hamster and your father <laughs> smells of elderberries. I'm honestly surprised they didn't use that line. Yeah, me too, actually. This probably, that's, probably, that's probably copyright. Yeah. Honestly. The Girondins were violently purged by a wave of murder and executions handled primarily by the Committee for Public Safety. Yeah. Good job, Public Safety Committee. Wow, killing people doesn't seem safe to me. Sorry, um, are you pro the death penalty, Lem? No, Alex? but he is pro-police, isn't he? Yeah. I'm pretty sure they're pro-police. Those people never kill anybody, do they? Nope. 
And this kicked off a cycle of the left eating itself called the Reign of Terror. 17,000 people were executed from September 1793 to July So the fact that there is a phrase in the popular vernacular, which is that the left eats itself, <laughs> shows that this has never gone well. I mean, really, it really yeah. is. I mean, okay, I'm trying to think of a, a revolution where the left hasn't eaten itself. Russia, definitely happened. France, definitely happened. I mean, China, America, kind happened. of um yeah i mean although it kind of again it predates left and right but like the, yeah the, the revolutionaries didn't really eat themselves there was a lot of infighting but it didn't evolve into the sort of purges uh that otherwise would have happened um I'm trying to think of any other examples like yeah it just generally happens man yep sorry to tell That's you a lot of heads rolling we don't like ourselves no that's the problem we There's really of, don't like ourselves. a lot of self-hate I'll tell you what, a lot of heads. The left couldn't really get along with- Okay, just on a logistics front, how do you handle that many heads? Like, that's how big question. is the bucket, right? The, there has to be that, a bucket. That's why your one Madame Guillotine is so famous, because she wove baskets, <laughs> too. <laughs> also, okay, I don't know about the 17,000 number. Uh, I have no idea if that's accurate or not. It might be. But I find it hard to believe all 17,000 of those were guillotined. There's probably a lot of people who were killed in other ways. I and think on it. Well, yeah, that's true. But the, the the guillotine, I think, was like pretty efficient and painless. Not that I'm yeah. advocating guillotines. Well, I mean, okay, I, I'm also wondering if that seventeen thousand number includes like um, the the what's the name of the uprising that happened in the countryside that the I. The Vendée. Yes, the Vendée uprising. I'm wondering if it like includes that, because yeah. I can see how that would get you closer to seventeen thousand pretty quickly if you're going and killing a bunch of peasants in the countryside. Yeah. Along with anyone, sense. not even themselves. Anyone who wasn't radical enough was considered an enemy of the revolution. And enemies of the revolution must be dealt with. Like that kind of dealing with where you don't come back. Eventually the Jacobins split over political differences and even Robespierre was eventually considered an enemy. And in July of 1794, he got the chop. No, no, I love the revolution. The revolution is my friend. As you can There's see- There's your accent. Yeah. I also love that there's a little bit of a wet splorch at the end Every of their time, guillotine yeah, sound it's effect. Good. It's good. I <laughs> Just mean, it, a little bit of it that's, there. That's how it would be. So. They paid the extra $5 for the Adobe for sound effect. the wet splorch, yeah. <laughs> you can see things got totally ridiculous. Outside of Paris, communities began rejecting the ways of the revolution well before Louis XVI was executed. And through the terror, more and more Frenchmen just wanted things to go back to the way they were. They had enough of the chaos and wanted order again. This created an opening for a scrappy young general from Corsica to rise to power and crown himself emperor in 1804. Yes, it's the little man you found in the forest. I knew they were going to go with the short thing. I knew they were going to bring up the short thing. Yeah, which he wasn't, but you know that. Yeah, like, yeah. Napoleon Bonaparte. Turns out he did have a plan, and it worked. So even though France got rid of their king, they ended up with an emperor. Basically just like the same thing as before, just a different title, you know? So why was France's revolution so bloody with so little change, especially when compared to America's revolution? Let's zoom out and take a look. Um, okay, I have, I have possibly a reason why that might have happened. Um, an ocean? Yeah. There was an ocean between the U.S. and its king. Uh, and that makes it uh, a little less complicated, a little more complicated to have a whole lot of death in that war when you got to get all the people over that ocean. Generally turns out that yeah, way. Yeah, the defending, yeah. Also, I mean, yeah, whatever. It's dumb. I, Although, I, don't, I don't need to defend it. It's dumb. Yep. 
Many people compare the French Revolution to America's, there were important differences. In fact, the French and American revolutions had very different goals. Oh, are they gonna claim that the American Revolution was a right-wing revolution? They might. I think that might be where they're going. The Jacobins on the political left, who ultimately took control of the French Revolution, wanted a utopian society, meaning that they believed they could reach perfection and rid society of all evil. But I don't think that's accurate at all. No. I really don't think that's accurate. In this attempt to create a heavenly utopia, they created a hell on earth by punishing or killing anyone who didn't conform to their own idea of perfection. Trying to force society to fit a particular idea of utopia always leads to violating people's freedoms and shunning large people groups. So like, I don't know, let's just say for example, um, you try and force a society uh, where everyone can own all the guns they want uh, and you try and force mm. a society uh, where a certain class uh, is ahead of other people because they have all the money and wealth and power um, and you try and force a uh, society uh, where uh, nobody who's within certain disfavored classes or races that have existed in this country for around 200 plus years are able to really effectively move up uh, in any meaningful way because that would violate uh, the current power structure. Of, I'm just spitballing here on possibilities of things. That are you do. talking about America? No, uh, Rhodesia, actually. Oh, wow. <laughs> Relevant because uh, Arizona legislator apparently uh, either didn't know what Rhodesia is or thinks it's a good thing. Why? Don't Google Wendy Rogers. Because in order to reach perfection, anyone outside of the idea of perfection must be forced to conform or be eliminated. Okay, forced to conform. How can you possibly, like, look around in a circle at America today and think that it is not the right who is trying to force people to conform? I simply cannot understand how you reach that conclusion. Like, look at Florida for fuck's sake. Look at fuck. Who was it? Was it uh, Greg Scott or whoever it was who did the yeah, stupid yeah, yeah. we don't want commies in Florida don't come here thing the other day? Like, imagine that. Fucking imagine that. The, the only people that we on the left will not tolerate are the intolerant. I'm willing to sit down with people who just, you know, are normie fucking uh, raised on these American values, quote unquote, that were taught in schools and think that everything's fine and dandy because that's just what they've been inculcated with. I'm fine with that. I'm not fine with people who want to force conservatism on people because that is intolerance. Conservatism is inherently intolerant, especially in the form it has taken today. Like, am I just ranting here? Is yeah, this just Yeah, a little me? bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a, <laughs> okay. a little bit. That's fine, though. I just, every time I hear this argument where people claim that it's it's the left that is forcing people to conform with anything, I'm like, go look at a group of people of the left and you will see that there is no conformity among them. You can see by the very way they look and the way they act, there is no conformity, certainly no forced conformity. It is within right-wing circles where you are forced to behave in a certain way. We heard Jesse Waters fucking talking about, oh, you know, you have to be the hottest to be on the runway for Victoria's Secret. Same guy who I'm sure if I took five minutes to look, I could find complaining about the fact that X, Y, or Z brand had an overweight model for something, right? Like, the only people forcing conformity are these dumb motherfuckers. That's correct, yes.
The founders of America, on the other hand, realized that utopia isn't attainable and the differences and imperfections of people must be accounted for. Rather than enforcing a particular vision of utopia... Huh. Is there maybe, um, some imperfections of people they didn't account for? Like, I don't know. Off top of the head here. Um, some people wanted to own slaves? That's one, yeah. That's yeah. definitely... That's, I'd say they one. sought to create something more realistic, a more free and just society... With slaves! Yep, that's it, again. ...that allowed for people to have their own ideas and live their own lives without being forced to conform to a strict utopian vision. So here we are at the end of the French Revolution. Or at least the first French Revolution of many more in France. By the way, I mean, just for the record, the slave trade was banned in France before it was banned in the United States, and slavery itself was banned in France, like... 20 or 30 years before it was banned in the United yeah, States. Yeah, they did some not great things in Haiti, though. So. Oh, yeah, they definitely have plenty of issues. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't, but please, don't tell me they didn't. No. Nope. But, uh, just as far as that goes. Anyway, is France's, that it? Uh, no, I think we got another minute to come, so. Okay. so that's, that's good. So let's review the key moments and answer the questions that we set out with today. The battle between the political left and right ended with the left winning. In the name of equality and fairness, the left went on to execute King Louis XVI. Okay, did they execute him in the name of equality and fairness? Yep, that's why. That's what they, they yelled as they chopped him his head in the name of fuck this guy? Yeah. In, <laughs> in the name of we asked you nicely not to leave and you left. <laughs> and anyone they deemed an enemy of the revolution. The executions went on for years because the left couldn't stop dividing and killing each other, this being known as the Reign of Terror. Neighboring countries didn't want what was happening in France to happen to them, so they invaded, throwing France into full-blown war. Let yeah, okay, here's something they didn't point out. France kind of fucked up the whole continent for a little while afterwards. They really did, yeah. They kind of went, oh, you want to fuck with us? We'll go fuck up everything. Yep. <laughs> Anyways, Benedict, uh, I don't think there's anything interesting after this point in the video. Sure. And I can see your eyes have glazed over. No, I'm, uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah this stuff, like, some it. of them really grab you, and some of them, like... I, I feel like I, I know the problem is that you, I know, have a lot of knowledge about the French, French Revolution uh, because we talked about it in the past. If this yeah. was about Spain, you'd be fucking pissed. I, yeah, if they true. If they did a single video about Spain, you would lose your fucking I shit. I would, yeah. It would be a three-hour-long episode. <laughs> I need to find a video of some right-winger talking about, like, Franco. The, the Spanish Civil War. Like, yeah. we, we need that. Oh, my God. Just to see the steam come out of your ears. That would yeah. be outstanding. I would love to see it. Like somebody who supported uh, Francisco Franco, some right winger doing a Francisco Franco supporting, like oh, or maybe sure like a Franco fun. wasn't that bad kind of video. Yeah. Okay, let's try and find one of those. For the <laughs> I page. need to find some one of our listeners. Please find that, and you will see a fury come out of Benedict that you have never known. <laughs> That's true. But anyways, thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. Remember, if you just can't get enough of us, you can go over to Patreon.com forward slash NYGBC. And become a patron for as little as $1 an episode for patron-only episodes, shout-outs on the show, uh, early releases of episodes, and more. And as always, we have to give a shout-out to our wonderful and amazing patrons. 
who I have forgotten to have prepared before I go to do the reading, which I normally do, which I'm going to do right now, and I'll start it as soon as they... Some trans gal. New buildings are a globalist conspiracy. Dapper Dinosaur. Carrie Conrison. Bobo D. Bear. Chili. Madeline and Zachary Wilson Fetro. Stephen DeBoe. Tori and the Gallant. Amy Kaiser. Sean Sullivan. Lauren S. I love when Jordan yells out, thank you very much. Also goes to the NYGBC podcast. Little Flick. William Patterson. Flack Weasel. Kieran Dackler. Join us next week when our guest will be Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Was that the That's same the one same. from the other yeah, episode? Yeah, well, the other it's because it's only been a week. So. It still makes, well, it's been three days. It still yeah. makes me giggle. Henry Lewis King Jr., Sarah Wolf, Aaron Burke, Megan A. Dooley, Gloria Scott, Clifton Stuckey, Paws Loves NYGBC, A Restless Native, A Baby, Wah, Veronica Forker, Melissa C., George Saulnier, Stefan, Shark Belly, Utah Outcast, Dave Barwick, Chris Palmer, Bad Bible Stitches, Mockingbird Nation, Bacow, Benjamin Carlisle, Dexter, Allison, Megan Ruth, Glowrung the Deceiver, Big Easy Blasphemy, Jay Reynolds, Stephen, and Cindy Dimmick, Taro Cannon, and Balls Waterson. Thank you all, as always, for being our patrons. That's it for this week's episode. Till next time, Jacques! Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. podcast is a production of Kevin and Benedict Productions. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Music for this podcast is by Silverman Sound Studios. Find out more at silvermansound.com.